Welcome to this edition of Out of Place, a podcast collection of short stories where perceptions intersect with reality and the humor behind everyday events are revealed. I'm your host, Frank Schiffman, and author of the story that follows. In the 1980 comedy hit Caddyshack, Ty Webb, played by Chevy Chase, explains to his caddy, Danny Noonan, played by Michael O'Keefe, that, quote, there is a force in the universe and all you have to do is get in touch with it. Stop thinking, let things happen, and be the ball. Ty then puts on a blindfold and swings his club, executing a shot over a water hazard and landing his ball close to the cup. Be the ball has been repeated countless times by golfers since then, in the hope of conjuring up an imaginary energy that will guide their ball to the desired target. I've certainly said it, and if you play golf, likely you have too. But have you ever wondered what the game of golf might look like from the ball's point of view? Likely not. In this episode of Out of Place, you're about to find out in Be the Ball. First name's Taylor, last name's Maid, if you gotta know. I'm two. That's not my age, just a number that was assigned to me. Just like everything else in my existence. I'm what you call an inanimate object. Shouldn't he be talking, so don't tell anyone. In reality, I have no control over anything, including where I go or how I get there. It's all part of the game. A game in which I play an important role. Or better yet, roll if you get my drift. I was formed under pressure, tightly bound, prodded, pushed, heated, dipped, and cold. My name and number were stamped on my hard, dimpled surface. Then I was cradled side by side in a hollow pod with two identical forms. The pod had three sides and one that allowed light to come in. There was just enough space for all of us to fit. Other pods were set beside us before a cover came over our group and everything went black. Strange vibrations followed, forcing me to exchange gentle nudges with the shape next to me. Suddenly, everything stopped. I have no idea how much time passed before my pod emerged from the darkness and was inserted into a structure that revolved. Sometimes we moved forward, other times we didn't. New sensations were everywhere. A few were rhythmic. Others varied in tone, intensity, and frequency. There was no pattern to any of them. Only one thing was consistent. When darkness fell, everything stopped. It was confusing. Made me wonder, what was the purpose of all of this? One day, the structure moved to the left, and something dislodged our pod. This thing placed us on a flat, hard surface. There, another force took hold and plunged our pod into an abyss that radiated heat. Darkness had come to mean that everything would soon go still. This time it didn't. The pod was turned so that we were one on top of each other, swaying to and fro. When it stopped, the force pulled us out. A bright energy brighter than anything we had ever encountered before, was everywhere. I was separated from the rest and twisted from side to side, which I hate to admit caused me to pass out from fright. When I came to, there was nothing around me. 
a very small part of my bottom was resting on top of an object that kept me still. Soon, a strong swoosh of air rushed by me, then another. The crack to my back was hard and true. My core compressed, then released like a shot, hurtling me upward. Higher and higher I soared, until the power propelling me succumbed to their wind resistance in front. Before long, I began to gradually descend, hitting the ground with a thud. Lean, rod-like substances were everywhere. The surface now under me had given way on impact, leaving me partially embedded. I lay still. Pain I had felt in my back moments ago was now gone. I wondered what the heck would come next. The answer to my question began when a sudden gust of air went by, just as before it occurred a few times, before I, in a clump of substance and rods around me, were sprung forward. I was airborne once more. The force behind me was not as impactful as that which propelled me to the spot from which I now launched. The blow had mostly been absorbed by the materials beneath me. This time I landed on a rigid surface. It began to roll forward end over end. Smaller rods were under me, but I cut through them with ease before coming to a stop. Spinning wasn't foreign to me. I remembered rolling on the factory line through chutes and tubes. Others just like me were all around then, and we didn't move as quickly. Some time went by before I felt a vibration through the ground. Its intensity grew and then abruptly eased. Again, a few breezes went by before I had the feeling of being scooped up and flung high into the air. Upon descent, I rolled forward without obstruction, though my revolutions were not as brisk. Slowly I came to a rest. While I waited for what would come next, I began to realize that a pattern of sorts was being played out. It took the form of hit, fly, roll, and repeat. However, what came next did not fit so neatly within that pattern. There was no hit, no flight, no descent, no plop, no rods, just a gentle tap to my back, followed by a series of purposeful rotations. I felt at ease. I was rolling in a way that fit with my form. This tranquility ended when I abruptly dropped into a dark cavity. Immediately I felt the force pick me up and plunge me back into the dark place before this all started. Only now, I was alone, swinging back and forth. From that point forward, the actions I experienced mostly repeated themselves. Several times I encountered new substances. One was gritty. One so hard I bounced again and again before coming to rest. I even skipped across a wet substance. On one occasion, the force placed me inside a contraption that violently went up and down. A series of prods engulfed me. When I came out, I felt renewed. Though I did not understand what was going on, there was obviously a purpose to everything that was happening to me. To be honest with you, I never got used to the swats I took when I was suspended a few inches off the ground. But I began to enjoy the sense of weightlessness that came with those blasting ascents. Following one of these airborne missions, I found myself on an uneven surface, buried within a sea of high reeds. 
I lay there knowing what would come next. The droning vibrations began as usual, low at first, then more pronounced before stopping. This was followed by applauding movements and sweeping gestures that sent the reeds swaying. Several of these movements were so close I was sure I'd be discovered. But strangely enough, that didn't happen. The motions abruptly ended. The droning vibration began again and then faded away. I was alone. The brightness above gradually turned dark. Here and there, I felt something move over me like tiny taps. It was weird and disturbing. Still, I could affect nothing. The light came and the light left. Again and again. Unexpectedly, I was abruptly plucked from my nest by a familiar force. I was no longer forgotten. The force had come back for me. I was quickly inserted into the dark cavern and moving back and forth. The vibrations began, and I was one of the movement until it stopped. Soon I was back on a perch with just enough support to hold my bottom in place. I anxiously waited for short bursts of wind to pass. These would signal the airborne trajectory to follow. To my surprise, only one violent burst passed me before I was slapped from behind. I jerked straight forward, rolling end over end for just a very short distance. My side felt bruised. After absorbing a few more blows, it became obvious this was not the same force. I was sent in one direction, and then the next. Most of my time was spent in the reeds. On occasion, I was airborne, but those adventures were rare. I was in soft and gritty substances many times. I was hit, slapped, pushed, and punched more times than I care to remember, before mercifully resting beneath a pile of flat coverings that kept out the light, which in turn kept me from being found. Finally, this odyssey was over. Epilogue. For a month, Taylor remained among the leaves in which he stumbled. His cover was blown away by autumn winds. That's when a course manager discovered and threw him into a bucket on his golf cart. Back at the clubhouse, Taylor was given a once-over and deemed acceptable as a range ball. A black stripe was painted on his back, and he joined other golf balls with names like Callaway, Spalding, Titleist, Mizuno, and many more. Each had a story of his own. None would be told. This edition of Out of Place and Beat the Ball were written and produced by Frank Schiffman, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The Happiness Music soundtrack is courtesy of bensound.com. All rights reserved, January 2021.